wow, I feel humbled to have, it's like Obi-Wan shows up and <laughs> blessings, you guys. I'm, I'm glad that you're here and I'm glad that you're all here. Um, <clears throat> uh, Josh and I had a brief conversation this morning about his sermon. We just bumped into each other in the hall and he said, um, he said, uh, I, any thoughts on Philippians 3? And I'm like, okay, now that's in the Bible, um, Philippians 3. But he said, you know, uh, Paul said, um, I've suffered the loss of all things. He said, uh, he kind of goes in this three-step process. And the end is, look, I've suffered the loss of all things that I might gain Christ and the power of his resurrection. And I count them, but, and, and Josh says, I'm not going to use the actual Greek term, which is, Kind of, kind of like horse, you can fill in the, count them as nothing. Um, that I might gain Christ and the power of his resurrection. He said, what would you say about that? And I thought, that is unfair because I now have two seconds. And all of a sudden, bam, right in my head is, is it's okay to want more. It, it's, like, it's like Paul, Mr. I wrote the New Testament, is saying, I want more. And until I actually am God, which may never happen, it's okay to want more. It's okay to be both satisfied and dissatisfied at the same time. In fact, I think that's God's expectation for us, to be dissatisfied because we know there's more of God and we know there should be some less of us going on as well, and to be satisfied and dissatisfied, but also um, to be super content in this place where God says, look, I've already chosen you. While you were yet a sinner, I died for you. And it only gets better from there. And so um, that's kind of where we are. <clears throat> so this class, um, I tell you what, rather than, um, so we, we've talked for a long time about Holy Spirit. We've talked about <coughs> kinds of people, motivations for people, psychicos, psychicos, archicos, remember those? Um, We've talked about um, what walking with the Spirit can look like. We've tried to, to unhype it so that it, it but also um, help us to, to understand that supernatural is not a synonym with spectacular. That supernatural can be very calm, very quiet. For example, I'll give you an example in Mark's honor. I'll give you something that happened to me this past week because he was the master of doing that. Probably still is. Um, so, uh, so we had a couple come stay with us. <clears throat> they came up for prayer and just to talk and whatever. And they have two small children. And one of the small children is, is at that stage where not, they're the boss, you know, fierce, that fierce small child. And, <clears throat> and so I said, she was gonna like take the rest of the apples from the sliced apples. And I said, when you eat your apple, I'll give you, and she just grabbed them, and I grabbed them back. And then she just looked at me and then she grabbed mom. And I'm like, what am I doing? You know, what? It's like the voice of my dad in my head, you're gonna sit there to eat everything. You know, it's just like, ah. And so, and so it tormented me. I mean, it literally, you'd think I'd committed bank robbery or something. I'm laying in bed and I'm just, my spirit is just uneasy over this entangling with a four-year-old you know, like, and losing by the way but uh, and so I see that and so I, I determine that I'm going to confess my sin to this guy ask him to forgive me and you just go wow okay that yeah that's we don't do that around here um, and so I did and he burst into tears this grown man burst into tears and he goes no one has ever done that 
ever in my life has confessed something and asked me to forgive him. And I just went, wow. Well, it doesn't happen that often, does it? And yet, and so we sat and talked, and his wife came up, and you could tell he's kind of like, do it again with her. You know? <laughs> I'm like, okay. And so I did, and she's like, oh, oh, you know, and man, we just, I almost didn't come to church because it just got so, so church, you know, sitting there at our little round table, but they're heading back to Florida. Um, so this week's tidbit, um, before we dive in, and so we promised last week, for those of you who were here, that we're going to start, and you asked for this, about six people said, when are we going to talk about gifts of the Holy Spirit? And I'm like, not till Jesus comes. No, but we are. And so we're right in the middle of that. So this week, we're going to lay a foundation for the, the charismatic, charismatic gifts. Next week, you're going to find out who you are. It's going to be like Enneagram on steroids, okay? So just get ready. But this is a tidbit I wanted to give you. Last week, we talked about um, Jesus' role in this, and that is measuring Jesus giving us ministries. Remember, Holy Spirit gives us gifts. Jesus gives us ministries. Father, make sure it works. And then the Holy Spirit has these power tools that he gives us when we need them and at a point of, of need, a point of opportunity, a point of faith. And you might remember the testimony of the guy from Guatemala or wherever. Yeah, I don't think he's here today. Anyway, this is a tidbit. Um, so this is the verse we skipped in Ephesians 4 last week. And he says, look, um, I say this and I affirm together with the Lord that you no longer walk as Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind. Okay, what is he saying there? He's saying, look, Gentiles being uh, devoid or not having the Holy Spirit are stuck walking as what we would call psychicos humans. That is, it doesn't get any better than what I can figure out. That's how I live. I live through figuring out. I live by thinking about it and figuring it out and reading and studying. But I don't have this inner guide. I don't have a born-again spirit. And Paul says, look, you have that. Why are you walking as if you don't? Remember his letter to the Galatians, and he says, you foolish Galatians, this is the only thing I want to hear from you. Have you begun by the Spirit? Are you now going back to walk in the flesh again? So what happens when, I, when, I'm, when I'm a brain man, when I'm mind dependent rather than Holy Spirit dependent, is that the mind is a really good steward and a really bad boss. And so the mind gets input, you might remember we talked about this, it gets x-rated input from the external world that, that drives us to want to say yes to the demands of the body and of the flesh. And it gets g-rated input from God, from the spirit that bubbles up. That, and, and God's intention is that by the spirit, we are putting to death the deeds of the flesh. And the mind does that. The mind says, thank you, I'll take care of it from here, turns to the body, and Paul says, I buffet my body and make it my slave, lest after preaching to others I might be disqualified. And so here's Paul saying to the Ephesians, like he said to the Galatians, look, you have this spirit within you, and that spirit isn't demanding, it doesn't make you do things, it doesn't, it doesn't scream at you, it's very quiet, it's easy to be quenched, but don't mistake that for not being extraordinarily powerful. And he says, because these Gentiles walk like this, they become hard, callous, and sinful because that's all they have to go on. 
Here is Jude saying the same thing. <clears throat> um, he says that, that these are the ones, he's talking about people, and he says um, they cause divisions, and at the end he says, worldly-minded, not having the spirit. And the, these are the two Greek words, psychiko and pneumatico, and we talked about those. He said, look at these people are causing these problems are they're psychos, okay? They're psychicos. He said, it, basically, the, a direct translation would be merely natural. He's, he's saying, what's the matter with you? You're merely natural. It's like, and you go, well, yeah, I'm a soul, man. You know, and, and it's like, no, that's not who you are. You're, you are first a spirit. And you have a soul and you live in a body, but you are first a spirit. And so turn your attention to the spirit side and you will find a whole different way of doing life, a whole different way of operating. But if it were dramatic and supernatural and you suddenly became a millionaire, everyone would want in because of the goodies. And Jesus said, look, don't mistake, my kingdom's not of this world yet, okay? Because he wants us to choose it because we want to choose it, not because, gee, you get a, a check for a million dollars if you sign up for this. Okay? Um, so the point of this tidbit is the soul is not good at controlling without help. And so uh, willpower is okay, but spirit power is way better because the, the spirit can bring about changes in us bring about transformation, bring about renewal in us in a way where, where God is at work in me both to will and to do for his good pleasure. He who began a good work in you, he will complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. So God has a ways and means committee within us and, and in circumstances, and, and he has a schedule for our growth. It's like if you look in your garden now, some of your tomatoes are ripe. But if you go pick all the tomatoes and you eat a green one, you're going to go, well, this, this is horrible. I hate tomatoes. Okay. If we try to change something in us that's still a green tomato, we're going to go, well, God's not very powerful. The Spirit's not very powerful. But God says, no, no, I will, I, you'll know what's ripe for, for picking in your life. And when you cooperate with me, it's easy. My burden is easy. My load is light. You'll find rest for your psychico, for your soul. You'll find rest for it. Okay? So, um, all right, let's go back and talk about where we have been. Remember, we're sorting out 1 Corinthians 12. And when you look at gifts, they're, they're always jumbled together and whatever. And, and every time I've, I've probably been through gift training and gift teaching like 30 times, and you just go, no, that's just crazy. It can't work like that. And so, and so Paul goes, look, um, he says there are, there, are, there are varieties of spiritual things. He says, look, there's varieties of charisma, who you are. You've been given this, and it's part of you. It's, it's like your Enneagram type, only more spiritual, right? Um, but the Holy Spirit, it's the who you are. Then there are varieties of ministries, and that is what you do with who you are. And Jesus who is the choreographer and the head of the body, 
choreographs your ministries. And you will go from thing to thing to thing to thing to thing. And it will always be taking advantage of the who you are gift of the Holy Spirit. And it will always involve stretching and promotion and death. And if you say yes at every level, you get promoted. If you say no at different levels, you don't get, well, you might get demoted, but you don't get fired, okay? Because you don't fire your pancreas because it has problems. <laughs> you just try to heal it. You, you try to get it working because it's part of your body, right? And you're, you're, you're part of Christ's body and he works with you. And then Papa God says, um, I, I am the guarantor that if you take your charisma and work in the ministry Jesus gave you, I'm the guarantor you're going to see cool stuff happen. I will make sure it happens. That's called the energy. And then Holy Spirit says, you know, if you're at the top of the ladder and you got a screw and a screw, having a Phillips head screwdriver is great, but having an electric screwdriver is greater. Okay. And in life, we get at the top of a ladder and we need a power tool to help something to happen. And the Holy Spirit says, I've got a list of power tools. And every one of those power tools is available to you at a point of need or desperation when you say yes and it'll probably offend your mind to reveal your heart but that's okay it's okay that that happens and so this is the organization we're working with so we're talking about number one today and i probably almost out of no i still got more time okay so we're we're going to be talking about the gifts part so romans talks about these gifts Ephesians 4 talks about ministries, diconia, talks about the big five, apostles, prophets, but, but everybody has one. No, nobody's unemployed. The body of Christ does not have like 4% unemployment. It, it has 0% unemployment. Okay? It does have a lot of people who are unemployed, but that's not because there's not jobs. It's not because you might be a pancreas who's not working right now, but it's like, come on, you know? All you need is there. And then we, we're going to talk, we're going to come back and talk about manifestations last, because if I get driven out of the church, I want it to be in the fall. And I'm just kidding. <laughs> but, uh, so we're going to come back and talk about, y'all be speaking in tongues by, I think, September 3rd was the date. <laughs> Holy Spirit, I'm totally, I'm almost kidding. Um, snake in, snake in uh, that's going to be an evening class. Yeah, we... Um, so here is, here's where that comes in. Here's Paul. And Paul is saying, look, according to the grace given to me, the charis given to me, and that is the type of grace, not the amount of grace. He says, look, I've been given grace to be an apostle, to be a, an exhorter, basically, an exhorter and a teacher. And according to that, I am going to talk to you. And God has allotted a measure of faith to you to do certain things. So that's that metron we talked about in Ephesians 4. And, um, and in vision members, since we have charisma that differ according to the charis that's given. So remember, charisma is a package of grace. And so Paul is saying, look, you have a package of grace that differs according to the grace you've been given. Some of you have been given grace to be very, very merciful. Some of you, some of you, some of you. And so he, he does this list, and this is all review. So this is, if you weren't here, like, you're like, this guy talks like a Yankee on drugs. Okay, so, so I, I'm going fast through review. And what we said is, while, while he gave seven 
a list of seven things. They're like the primary colors of a rainbow. There's an infinite number of blues, okay? But we call them all blue. And so, I guess blue we have there for giving. So, so there's an infinite number of people whose primary motivation is just to give, just give, give, give. That just I walk into a room and I just want to give. You know, it's like, remember we talked about the woman with the tray of drinks, right? And she falls in a party and the person with the, with the mercy gift goes straight to the woman. Oh, are you okay? Are you okay? Are you okay? The person with the helps motivation goes straight to the mess, right? Because the mess is what they see. Now, they glance at the woman and say, oh, she's being taken care of. I'm going to take care of the mess. The person with the gift of giving goes straight to the store to get more drinks. You know, it's like, so, so everybody operates within the kind of grace they've been given. Remember, so the prophet goes, you know, I kind of knew this was going to happen. And, you know, it's like too late for you now, buddy. Um, so, so everybody operates within that place of gifting and they're the primary colors. But, but there can be 87 people whose primary motivator is giving sitting in Otter Creek today. And they all are plugged in in different places where they're doing that. And, and you say, would you like to be a church administrator? Uh, no. Oh, can I give? Oh, yeah, then I might do it. You know, see, so, so it's, like, it's like, so I have different assignments. But if I step out of a place <coughs> where, where this sort of, this, my gifting is, if I step out of it, it feels like things go slow, they're kind of harder, I have to exert more mental energy, I don't feel very good about doing it. But if I'm in this place, it's like, remember we talked about the moving escalator at the airport. People on that escalator are not walking faster. They're just moving faster. And that's what it looks like when you operate in the place of your gifting. And your gifting, your passion will line up. Sometimes they misalign, but when you start operating your gifting, they just line up. Because you just go, oh, I was made for this. Who knew? Right? And watching people come into that is just one of the joys of my life. Okay. So let's look at, at what these are. And these are one-liners. Okay? Next week, we will have posters up all around the room. One poster for each one of these, right? Right? Yeah, right. Mike and Gene are <laughs> bless them. And and we're gonna do a little gather gather around the poster and talk to each other. <coughs> so you're gonna look at all of them, and then go, oh, you know, that one feels most like me. And people like you will sit there, and we're gonna have questions for you to ask each other, and just to help you to kind of understand. Okay? No pressure. You can keep your mouth shut if you want to. So these are one-liners. So the teaching. So, so I, I always wanted to state them in terms of what do I want to eliminate, what bugs me, and what do I want to put in its place, right? Because that's how God works. God always works on an exchange with us. You give me your bad stuff, I'll give you better stuff, okay? Okay, so a teacher wants to eliminate ignorance and bring sort of vital living truth to people. The, the teachers are just mortified that people don't know the doctrine of, of grace or eternal security or whatever it might be, okay? They, they just, it just, no, you need to know that. I, like, sit down, I need to explain this to you. Now in the Greek, and it was just like, whoa, who is this guy, right? Uh, and so that, that really floats their boat. The exhorter, what they want to eliminate is personal confusion and inability to come into their calling and gifting in people's lives and bring about purpose in people. So that's who I am. So I teach, but teaching is a doorway drug to me to encourage you to be who you are. Okay, 
I, if I could do it by dance, yeah, I don't even, don't, that's a really bad visual. But um, so if I could do it some other way, I would do it. But my, my goal is, is I, I look around the room and I, and I begin to see, I, I see potential in people. And I go, what would it take? Don't cry. Keep going. So what, what prophetic people, people whose motivator is this prophecy thing, they, they can see wrong and false. Just, it, it just like screams at them. It's like they can see kind of false pretense, something that's just wrong, and kind of like one part per billion. And what they want to bring about is what's right and what's true. And sometimes they're real black and white. Sometimes they need someone with a mercy gift to kind of walk them and say, shh, shh, you know, it says, he didn't mean that exactly. Okay, so, and, and we have this idea, you know, the prophet walks in and, thou shalt not pass and you will be struck dead. You know, that's, that's not, we'll talk about New Testament prophecy in a few weeks. But, but that's, that's what motivates them is, is, and so they can be like a staff person's absolute best friend because they can say, you know, I, I had this kind of feeling today about blah, blah. And, and if, if you really value them, you go, Whoa, okay, because they have, they have a north arrow, they have a plumb line in their spirit, and anything that's not plumb, they feel it. Okay, they just do. They're not being critical. Well, sometimes they are. You can see where character is really important in the use of these giftings. Okay, someone with, ver with, a, with this kind of gifting, a services gifting, is they want to eliminate physical needs and get her done. You know, they walk in, leak in the roof, come on, we'll be there Saturday. You know, just like, they're, they're just, they're bugged by stuff needing help, needing to be done. And they just, they see it, everybody else shies away. You know, they go to a picnic, and people are going through the food line, and they're straightening the legs on the table. Okay, th those are, it's those guys. Okay, you call them dads, usually, but it's, it's, it's that, it's those people who see that this needs a yellow stripe so I don't step on it. Um, they see that kind of thing <laughs> and they want to get it in. Okay, people who, with a giving gift, they want to eliminate lack. When they walk in, they say, oh, if only. What, man, if we, we could, you know, if we could do this if we had these resources. What, you know, we could organize this. So they, they just, they're just motivated with the sense of, I see what's missing and I think I know how to resource it. Okay, and so they, they just want to invest in really high quality gain in people's lives and an organization. That, that just motivates them. They just go for it. So everybody good so far? Are you seeing yourself at all in any of these yet? And it's, it, it, so these one-liners are like the pure middle and there's a smear. So you might, you might be out here. And I'm not saying you don't have pieces of other things, but there's always sort of a primary and things are distributed around that primary motivation. Okay, so again, remember colors of the rainbow. <clears throat> now there, there may be some, some uh, um, colors that we don't see in the rainbow too. You know, there's uh, ultraviolet and um, infrared. Some of you might be that too, but I, I've never heard of that, so <laughs> just careful. So mercy, they want to eliminate pain and invest in joy. They, when, when someone isn't, the joy of the Lord is their strength. And when they sense someone is hurting, they're just like, 
you know, it's like, how can we go on? They're hurting. You know, everybody stop. You know, we, we need to solve this. And so everybody goes, you go for it, man. How, and the giver goes, how can I help you? And so like when a service and a mercy and a help and a uh, giver gang up on somebody, you're done for. I mean, it's, it's like, it's like your house is cleaned, your plumbing is fixed, your investment accounts are squared away, and you feel happy about the whole thing. You know, it's like you've been counting. Yeah, it's just like because that's what God, and these, so these are all parts of God. These are all parts of who he is. He is all the colors of the rainbow. But we couldn't exist as a body if we were all those things, each of us. Maybe in heaven we will be, I don't know. But, um, and so this drives us into something. Oh, I forgot the, the, the one that somebody. Um, so leading, um, exhortation is about typically about personal issues. Leading tends to be about corporate vision, corporate issues. And so someone with a leader sees kind of confusion in the direction, in the organization, in the function, and, and they just, they want to invest in vision. They just, so you take a, an apostle who has a motivational gift of a leader and, you know, they're off changing the world. Okay, so, so you have that kind of a gifting. And so if you put all these together, everything in the body is being met. Somebody with a specialty is meeting every need in the body from low to high. So you start, <laughs> you start small and invisible, and as you keep going, God goes, okay, well, because you're doing so good, I'm gonna let you influence more people. So remember when we talked about these gifts, we said, God, uh, yeah, let me keep going. Maybe I've got it here. Um, so these gifts make room for you. They make a place for you. When you say, I don't feel like I'm a member of this congregation, or I don't feel, I don't feel, don't feel. There are some reasons for that, but one of the reasons is that you don't have a sense of your own gifting, your own, what motivates you, and you don't know how to find a place to use that. So as, as elders, one of the elders' jobs <clears throat> is to help people be equipped and find places, right? Remember we talked about apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, and their job was to <coughs> equip the body to serve. So part of that, the role of those people is to recognize gifting and to encourage it. To say, oh, you know, you're so good. Let me, like Mike Runcie's like perfect. <laughs> He's like, oh, you're, come here, come with me. And, and, you know, before long, you're doing something, you know, and you go, wow, I kind of like this. Okay, and so, but, but we can do that with each other. So it, 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 it makes a place for you, and if you're excellent at it, that is, you put in the effort to become excellent, you, you, you go, I'm gonna read a book about this, because giving, and I need to know how, how philanthropists, great philanthropists, what, what motivated them. So, so you, you, you can teach yourself, you can learn about it, and it makes a place for you. The second thing about these charismatic giftings is that every place you see them talked about, the context is relational body life. Even when we reach outside of the church, we do it as a, as a hand reaching from a body out to the church, not cut off the hand and throw it out there and see what it does, okay? And so it's always, it's always within the context. So you can see um, Paul, you know, here's Paul, and he's saying 
to the Romans. Look, I long to see you that I can impart some spiritual gift. And that, that's, you kind of go, okay, what does that exactly mean? And we can talk about what that kind of means. But you might think the next sentence will be so that you can finally grow up. And that's not the next sentence. The next sentence is so that we can be mutually encouraged. In other words, I, I want to stir up in you your gifting because when you're strong, I'm encouraged. And when you're strong, I, I have nothing to lose and everything to gain by encouraging you to explode in your gifting. And so we do that. And you might recall, um, maybe it was last week, in Ephesians 4, we, we asked the question, what is it that caused the body to grow? Not the church membership to grow, but the body to grow. And, it's, and it was very, very clear that what causes the body to grow is ligament relationships through which we work within the measure of grace we've been given. It says that's what causes the growth of the body. Now you can get 100,000 people in a stadium for a football game, for a Billy Graham crusade. You can get them for all sorts of things, but that doesn't always cause the body to grow. What causes the body to grow is us working in hidden, unseen ways in each other's lives, laying down our lives for each other. I mean, there are certain people in my life, if they call, I drop everything because we're ligamented together. I'm not ligamented. You know, my elbow isn't attached to my ankle except through some other relationships. And so don't feel bad that you're not ligamented to everybody, but you are ligamented to somebody. And Jesus is the one who sorts that out. And so we can ask him, Jesus, who are you connecting me to? And just listen. I, I bet he goes, I'm glad you asked. And people will pop in mind, and then situations will happen in your life. And then, and then you take a step out. Okay, so, so this couple comes up from Florida, and we had more <laughs> fun. We harvested honey yesterday, got 30 quarts of honey, and we just had more fun. And we were like, wow, this is... He and I write science fiction. It's like, you do, you read, wait, what, what? And, we, and, and the women just went, you, you two go for a long walk. And when you come back, you need to be done with that conversation, okay? Because we are not going to listen to you and Isaac Asimov talk. So anyway, um, God, God has this habit of looking to the small, unseen, beautiful to do stuff. He, he just, he has this habit. We're going to see in a minute why he does that. But <clears throat> so he could have picked Jesus to be born in Jerusalem. Yes, the man from Jerusalem. No, Bethlehem. Like cow, sheep land. You know, it's like, really? Bethlehem? He had to actually put it in the Old Testament so people would actually believe maybe it was Bethlehem. David, not his big brothers, right? It's like, who are you going to crown king? I've got all my sons here. No, 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 no. These are a handsome bunch of boys. Where's that young one? Oh, he's with the sheep. That's the one, right? Um, the woman with the copper coin. Jesus said, stop. Jesus said she gave more than everybody else. Why? Because he looks at the heart, not at the stature, not at the background, not at the money. He looks at the thing that you can control, okay? So none of us can say he's unfair because the thing he judges us on is the thing that I have full control over. And he doesn't compare you to anyone. C.S. Lewis 
talked about this, uh, this little man concept, which is each of us has a, a little person inside of us, which is the fullness of who we are. And at the end of our life, God will say, what percent into this man that I called you to be did you grow? And so you're compared to you. Okay, that's how God does it. He says, this is everything I put in you. How did you do? He doesn't say, this is Billy Graham. You're not that good of an evangelist. Okay, see, that's totally unfair. And so, <clears throat> so what he does is he says, look, I'm going to stir you up to be all that you are called to be. You are my workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works that I prepared beforehand for you to walk in. At the end of your life, he's going to say, how many Easter eggs did you find? That's really it, because he's already prepared ahead of time all of the works that you're going to walk in. You have to, you have to try to miss him, honestly. And when you come to that work in your life, uh, and it might be big, it might be little, you might not recognize it. It could be some, you know, some crazy coincidental thing. It could be just hard work at two o'clock in the afternoon keeping your temper, okay? But whatever it is, when I come to that thing, God, God wants us to be alert. This is one of those. And so the Holy Spirit will, in whatever way the secret language you and the Holy Spirit have, Holy Spirit will go, this is that. This is one of those things. Why is it this thing? I hate this person. I know that's why it's, that's why it's that. Okay, okay. Okay, so I'm going to die to myself stretch my faith, listen to Holy Spirit, and step out and go, huh, that was cool. Okay, and so our life is filled with appointments like that from God. You are his workmanship. You have a charis charismata. You have a calling, you have a personality, you have a body size. Everything you need, you're his workmanship. And you're created to do certain things for good works. So you're prepared. And then it says, for good works that he's prepared beforehand, so the works are prepared. And he says, so that you should walk in them. You're perfect. The works are ready. Go for it. That's what God says to us. He says, go for it. And as you go for it, you look back and you go, it's like those, you know, those dot-to-dot -dot drawings where some little kid and they're, they're doing the dots. And you, looking at from a godly perspective, God perspective goes, well, I know exactly what this is. I mean, anybody who looks at the dots can see it's a kid playing with a dog. But the four-year-old, no idea. And they're just three, four, seven. No, no, not, not seven. You've got to go to five and six. Five, six. Okay. And, and they're going, look, it's a dog. Okay. Well, that's who we are with, these, with doing these works. These works are like dot to dot in our life. And my job is just the next dot being led by God. And when I do that, when you get to be older, I look back now and I go, that really hard place in Mississippi, that was an arm. It looked like I was out in the middle of nowhere, but that arm was out in the middle of nowhere. But I was connecting dots for an arm that I need now. Paul goes, I was in Damascus 14 years. I, was, I got saved, struck from a horse, filled with the Holy Spirit. I start preaching. They want to kill me. Who cares? And I get whisked off to Damascus for what, 14 years? Give me a break. I mean, that's like, 
Now, some of you are from some state I'm going to name. So I'm not going to name any state. But that's like some place where you probably, anyway. Um, I, I live in Burwood, Tennessee. So it, it, that's like Burwood. Yeah, I'm in Burwood. Okay. But meanwhile, here's Paul in Damascus, and he gets a download called the Book of Romans. Okay. If he had not been in Burwood, we wouldn't have most of the New Testament. Because it was there he was quiet enough to get it. Okay? And so we don't know God's ways and means among us, but if we will trust him, then all this stuff. And so my job's just my heart. Just, Lord, I just want to make my heart. And, and God, who began a good work in you, he will complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. Um, so there's two wrong ways of thinking about this in 1 Corinthians. And this is the first wrong way. I'm not important. Because I'm not teaching this Sunday school, honestly, if you want to try this, come up here. Um, it's really nerve-wracking sometimes. You guys smile, though. I, I love it. <clears throat> Anytime you want to come, come back, brother, <laughs> or come share a story. You have the best stories on earth. But look at, he says, look, because you're not this, you're this instead. So look at the this that you are instead of the this that you're not, because this, this is jealousy, dissatisfaction, and then inside of me, I, I put myself down, I beat myself up, and I shut myself down. And Paul goes, no, 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 no. Don't, you just ask God, who am I? And not a self-focus in a bad way, but a self-focus in a good way. See, false humility says, I'm nothing, I'm nothing. I'm just a sinner saved by grace. I'm just some floatsome and jetsome in the ocean hoping to wash up on some celestial shore someday. And God goes, stop it! True humility says, God is in me, so I can do anything. Right? That's true humility. False humility says, I can't do anything. True humility says, God's in me, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Let's go for it. Why not? Take the hill, right? Jonathan, take the hill. It's a good day for a fight. I got three servants, that's more than enough. Take the hill. Okay, the other way of wrong thinking is you're not important. Now, in the yellow over here on the left-hand side, it says, look, God's put people just as he desired. So, so don't say, what doest thou to God? Just say, thank you. Thank you, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. The works you have for me, as I walk in those, I will be the most fulfilled person on earth, except if somebody else is walking in theirs. Okay, you find your life, you find your passion, you find your purpose. You already have a destiny, that's already set, but you find your purpose in life. The other way is, is for someone to think, you know, uh, they sit in the back and they never say anything. And, and, and so you, you, get this sort of a, you get this sort of a mentality in some churches where cool people hang out with cool people, right? And, and there's sort of the, the big preacher crowd and, well, uh, I, as your pastor, hang out with senior staff. You know, and, and you kind of go, well, that's this. That's this. It says, look, look at the bottom part of that. It says, in my church, the ones who have the showy gifts had better hang out with the, with the ones without the showy gifts. If you don't, it is, it is going to kill you because you're going to get drawn into arrogance and exclusivity and the deeper life crowd, and, and it is going to nullify your gift. But you will find life 
when you give more abundant honor to those who lack. You will find life when you do that. This church does it as well as any place I've ever been, maybe better. In this church, if you brag, I mean, 17 people go, you know, I mean, it's just, it's great. It's wonderful that way. It's invested in the stuff that's on the final exam. Okay, so those are two ways of, of wrong thinking. And, and this word right here, God has so composed the body. Um, there I practiced that in front of the mirror last night. What it, what it means is, I have made a super blend. It's like I've taken the best, the best, the best. I've thrown some really hot, hot sauce in it. And I have made, uh, I have taken basic ingredients and made the most amazing concoction you've ever seen. That's what that word means. It's a crazy Greek word. It means taking the common and putting it together to create the extraordinary. And that's what he's done. And so he, is, he has done that. And his goal is, just, just here, you're, you've been placed where I desire, so don't worry. You're going to give more abundant honor to the ones that seem not to have honor so that there's no division in the body. So that there's no division in the body. And God's goal is no division in the body. Okay? Um, I'm just going to pop these up because they're pretty obvious once you look at them. Um, <clears throat> there is a huge difference between an organization and a body. An organization has hierarchy, you interview for jobs, your job title creates your identity, and because we all work in companies, we tend to think about the church as an organization. And in some ways, it's a business, it's got millions of dollars flooding in. Um, Couple hundred thousand short this year, by the way, in case you. Um, millions of, I just came from an MCC committee meeting. Um, pretty rigid lines of authority, but when you think of an organism rather than an organization and you try to get your head around that, everything changes. Because now there's a head and organs. There isn't a hierarchy in organs, there are organs. And so we all have organs. I don't have to interview, I was created for what I do. I don't, I'm not trying out for it. I was, I was made for it. I just do it in the body. Um, there's mutual submission to authority. The mark of maturity in a Christian is that I recognize God's authority in every aspect of life and I submit to it. God's authority. And it flows in crazy places sometimes. You go, okay. And you listen. And God uses people who you wouldn't expect to speak with authority. And we just, we look for it and we listen for it. If you have a tree in a building, I had a builder who built my house and we were standing outside looking at my house and he said, I'm going to be done in two minutes. He said, um, look at the building, you know, it's everything square, blah, 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 blah. He says, it's great. And he goes, yeah, it's great. And he goes, but there's no life in it. It's a building. Now look at the tree. It looks disordered. It looks disorganized, but there's life in the tree. And that's how God made it. Here's the typical, this is the last thing I'm going to say today. Here's the typical way that, that um, entities that become organizations go. And it works just like this. I've seen it a bunch of times. Man, message, mission, 
movement, good for us. But then it takes a turn. Membership, monument, mausoleum. Because the life starts to go out of it. And the simplicity and the purity of devotion to Christ, listening to the Holy Spirit, doing things that are contrary to some of the best business minds, but spot on with God. And so we've been called in the body and in our gifting to not to try to figure it out, but to say yes to God and to ask God questions. You can read about it, you can read books about it, but that's not going to get it for you. What will get it for you is to say, Jesus, would it be okay, or whoever you like, Jesus, Holy Spirit, or Father, they're all kind, okay? They all have kind of the eyes and beards, maybe, um, or wings. Um, but it's to say, Jesus, will you help me to see who I am? I want to find my place. Jesus, will you show me if there's anything that is keeping me from stepping into the place you have for me? Is it fear? Is it ignorance? Is it a desire for other things? Laziness? What if, if there's anything, will you show me and I'll, I'll get rid of it? Because I want this more than I want this other thing. And if we start there, that's what's called walking with the Spirit. Okay? It, it's just we ask him what he wants of us and we go do it. And he's not going to give you a map because then you'd go do it. He's going to say, here's the next thing, the next dot, let's do it together. God always, he, I said this before in class, God never sent anybody to Africa. <coughs> he always says, I'm going to Africa, want to come? Right? And in your life, he's going, I'm going to be at Target today, keep your eyes open. Uh, at coffee today, I'm going to be there, listen. I'll tap you on the shoulder. Like last night laying in bed. Uh, I'm going to apologize tomorrow morning, do you want to too? <laughs> Um, otherwise, it's going to be weird. If you apologize, it'll only be weird for you just for a second. Then it'll be, it's like pull the tooth or have the aching tooth, your, your choice, right? And so it was glorious. It was glorious. It was a little embarrassing for me to humble myself, but it was glorious. And the guy cried. He said, this has never happened to me in my life. So I'm apologizing. So, good stuff. Okay, next week, we're going to take a practical step with posters to just kind of think about who we might be. Okay? Thank you. Bless you.